Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam with Bowser Consulting. In today's fabulous episode, we are recording live in front of a studio audience. Well, at least a ballroom audience. <laughs> and for the first time, Sam and I are actually together. Hold on, you can almost hear us high five if we were allowed to talk. In today's episode, we will go over where we have been. We'll talk some training. We have some fabulous guests to talk to. Hi, Elwell. How are you doing? Hello. We're going to review a book, Good to Great. We'll explain why that is in just a minute. We'll do Sam's favorite, Taken, and we'll talk about where we're going next. Hi, Sam. How you doing? Oh, Drew, I'm doing fabulous. But, you know, I think instead of talking about where we've been, we should talk about where we are. Oh, my gosh. We should talk about where we are, Sam. Yeah, so we're in St. Louis, right across from the ballpark where the Cardinals play. We're at a just amazing managers rally that a group of franchisees put together. Over 130 hardworking and hard-driving dominoids here to go from good to great. Wait, are any of them actually here right now? I see many. That's a, I mean, that's a lot of people. It, I can it, tell by the clap. It is a lot of people. Thanks for that. If that's where we are, I don't think we need to discuss more about that at this time. Do you want to get into talking training, Sam? Let's talk some training. Since we're here in St. Louis with all these great teams across the Midwest and the East, and the theme of this rally is good to great, I think it'd be great if this week we talked training and how to get from good to great. I think that's a great idea. You know, we often get lost in the thought that a training is an event, that training needs to be well thought out and event-based, like a product workshop, three-day onboarding, or even a driver ride-along. Maybe having a paid consultant or a trainer fly in for a single day or a multi-day event. You ever done that, Sam? You know, once or twice, I have been paid to do some training. And, you know, all of these event-based trainings, Drew, they're really, really great. But dare I say it, I think the more impactful training, I think the thing that really drives the performance in the store, the things that helps your teams go from good to great are those individualized, in-the-moment, 10, 15, 30-second training opportunities. Things like Jeremy was talking about yesterday in his presentation. When you see something that needs attention, when you see a pizza coming out of the oven that's not quite where it needs to be, the great leaders jump in and they start doing training right there. In the training biz, we call it the difference between formal training and informal training. Formal is that planned out, scripted, scheduled training. Informal, exactly that in the moment piece. It's fun because if you think of those formal events, you know when it's happening, you set yourself up, maybe you have some agenda, maybe you remember what you learned. But those informal events, that in the moment, how often does that happen? How often does that little thing, that one conversation with somebody, change the course of what you do? That informal training is so important, Drew. It's an opportunity for you to reset expectations, to elevate performance, and to keep your team driving towards the great goals that you set. It is because it allows you to become the best of the best. Sam, do you need to be an expert to do that, to do an informal coaching? 
No, I don't think you need to be an expert trainer. You just need to have the skills to see the kind of opportunities you've got. You've got to see where the gaps in performance are and how you can fill those gaps. For instance, if we're looking at pizza making, I mean, as long as you know the five elements to a great pizza, rim, size, portion, placement, and bake, and you know what goes along with those, then you can make those informal, in-the-moment, 15- and 10-second coachings to make sure that your Domino's Pizza customers get the very best Domino's Pizza experience available. But Sam, I'm no Jimmy Riddlinger. I'm no fastest pizza maker. That's for sure. How can I coach people if I'm not the best at something? Well, you know, I think it comes back to the processes that you talk so much in your Better Than Yesterday system and that we talk about when we're in workshops. It's all about process. You don't need to be the very best at something to teach people to be the best. In fact, I would say that the greatest leaders take the greatest comfort and take the greatest joy when they see their team members start to surpass their physical skill. You know, I always say that the general manager should be the slowest pizza maker in the store, not because they're slow, but because they've taken that informal training, those 10 to 15 second pieces, and they've taught people to be better. In today's world, with the sales that we're at, if you're the fastest pizza maker in the store as the leader, you got a problem. I'd agree with that, Sam. There's plenty of other people that can make the pizza. There's only one of you that can be the leader. Along those lines, let's think about the process. I'm a huge fan of chunking it down. Take any process you're trying to teach and go as small as possible. Because the smaller I make it, the more opportunity I have to find improvement, to high-five you when you do it right, to course correct as you're going along. If I wait till the end, we stick with pizza for the pizza to come out of the oven. I've missed all of these opportunities along the way. Think how much time you can spend with somebody just sitting at the dough table, working on getting out the patty in the right shape as quickly as possible. And Sam, I've seen you train that. It takes you five or six days with somebody just to make that happen. Uh, No, it takes about five or six minutes. I think the key (laughs) when you talk about something as simple as pulling the dough patty out of the tray, is it easier to make a round pizza with a round dough ball or with something that looks like a baguette coming out of the tray. And I think it's really important that as you're doing this informal training, this one-on-one stuff, that you build a strong foundation. A great pizza isn't something that just went into the oven. A great pizza had many steps along the way. And for me, when I'm training physical skills, I want to make sure that step one is perfect before I go on to step two. If they have formed the edge and then they go to stretch the pizza and they mess it up, I grab the dough and I throw it away. What's the sense of having them learn how to sauce a poorly stretched pizza. I don't want to teach people from the beginning how to fix their mistakes. I want to teach them from the beginning how to do every step correctly so that the customer gets the very best we've got to offer. Hi, audience. How are you guys doing? Still still with us? Have any of you ever had to take over a store and correct bad behaviors? Go ahead. Yes. Awesome. Which is easier on you, training the right way first or fixing bad behaviors later? You know, I think the other thing that's important is you chunk it down and you help people get successful, Drew. You hear all the time, and we heard Art talk about it yesterday about these millennials and how much of a problem they are or are not. And then he told a story about the generation before him and how they all said his generation couldn't work. I think what I'm finding about today's workforce is there's a lot of great kids out there, and there are a lot of people that want to do great. And I think the difference between This generation today and our generation is they want to be good right now and they want to be rewarded for everything they do and they want to make sure that they're successful or they're going to move on 
to somewhere else they can be successful. So I think as leaders, it's up to us to find better ways to train people, to take those 15-second, 30-second informal training sessions to get them to a place where they can successfully do the job and feel like an important team member inside the job. When you do that, I think that's going to increase your retention. I agree, Sam. I'm old. Luckily for me, you're older. When you and I were first learning, whether it was in class or at this fabulous brand, almost all of it was formal. If you're around our age, how much of the way you learned was formal? Because the only place you could go that was informal was the library. There was no internet. There was no cell phone in your pocket. You need to learn something. You either ask your parents who told you, go to the library. That was too hard. So you asked the neighbors who told you the wrong answer or you went to the library. But think of it today. There's a reason why there's 2 million years of content on YouTube. You can learn anything you want at any moment today. Why in our stores would we do it any differently? If this is the way we learn today, then let's teach the way we learn. And let's take those informal moments. Let's take that 10 seconds, that 30 seconds, and let's find a way to get that little nugget of knowledge across to our team. You know, yesterday we heard Sheldon Port get up and he talked about when there's new information that there's four different kinds of people that take on that new information. And the fourth one was the navigator. I think if we want to be successful today, we've got to take on that role of the navigator. And whether we like what's happening or not, is it easier for you to change your entire team or an entire generation or is it easier for you to change the way you lead and the way you teach? you got to change yourself. We've got to make sure that we're looking at things the way people want to be taught, and we've got to change that. I had a franchisee tell me a couple of weeks ago, and I've used this line a lot, do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? At the end of the day, your thoughts and feelings may be correct, but if you're not effective, what the heck is the point? When you want to get the results you want, and especially if you're not in the store all the time, which, by the way, nobody listening should be in the store all the time, then you've got to make sure that you're leading from a place where people are going to make sure that they're learning things and you're teaching them in the way they want to learn. Sam, that's a great way to put that, which also means I think at this moment, I think it's time for us to play an ad. Yeah, let's hear from one of our sponsors. You want to take what you have heard on this podcast to the next level? I do. Are you looking to be better than yesterday? I am. So why don't you join us for Drew and Sam Train Leadership, a mini-con event. You'll get to hear from a keynote speaker. You'll choose from two of three available breakouts. Those breakouts, full-fledged expectations, holding them able with accountability, and recognition with impact. You'll have an opportunity to network with other listeners of this podcast. It's only 49 bucks. It gives you access to the two-hour event. To register, go to trainwithbty.com. That's right. To register, go to trainwithbty.com. Do it today. All right, so welcome back to episode 11, where we are going from good to great. If you haven't heard the ad yet, or you didn't catch it completely, that's the Sam and Drew Talk Training Minicon. It's going to be a two-hour event, only 49 bucks, and it is a free breakout session, two-hour session altogether, only 49 bucks for our thousands of listeners here in the room. I will give you a $10 discount code. Thousands. Thousands. Yeah, we can make that happen. Books, books, all the books I'll need, all the books, all the books I'll ever want. All right, for this episode, we've decided to review the book Good to Great. This is an oldie but a goodie. 
I don't know about you, Sam, but the first time I was actually introduced to this book was by my franchisee, Matt Patterson. I think I was supervising, so it must have been 15, 16 years ago. I got to listen to it on audio on a CD in my car driving around for a week. CD in your car? Yes. Again, wow. I'm old. You're older. I, yeah, I was looking for it on 8-track tape. <laughs> So it came out in about 2000. The audio version I listened to was a re-recording from 2005. Jim Collins actually does the reading in. And I found the book pretty amazing. The audio was about 11 hours and, you know, with all transparency, I'm about eight hours into it. I'm going to hit the rest of it on the way home. But it was simply fantastic. I got a lot out of it. And the one thing that I really liked about it and something I'm going to talk about later today when I get the opportunity to talk to these 130 just fanatical general managers is something that Jim calls the hedgehog principle. And the hedgehog principle is all about finding what you're passionate about, finding what you can be the best in the world at, and then what drives your economic engine. And I think what's really great for us as Domino's Pizza people is we had a founder that long before Jim Collins wrote a book, understood the hedgehog principle. And he gave us what should be our cornerstones of the business. And that's simply product, service, and image. And I'm sorry, what was that? Product, like the pizzas. Okay. Service, being nice to people, making them fast. All right. And image. So one might say, make round pizzas, do it fast, and do it with a smile on your face. Interesting. Yeah. I'm just saying. All right. So I really love the hedgehog principle. What did you get out of the book, Drew? For me, Sam, it was a lot of the, the hierarchy piece. I like how I actually delve into like who you are. There's five different levels of being a leader, according to Jim. And it was interesting because I can see where I was at in certain points in my career on this leadership scale, whether it's a level one where you're that contributor, you're adding something. For those of our listeners, that's that AM, that pizza maker, right? That that you don't actually know how you'd get by if they took two weeks off. And it goes up to like an effective leader, how they pursue a clear and compelling vision to the executive that's awesome about this book is it's all these interviews of executives and every executive was about humility and about professional will like like it's not me it's my team and by the way we will all run through the brick wall together and let me jump in there for just a second every interview wasn't necessarily about humility because he had he had a group of businesses that had actually gone from good to great and he wanted business that is that had not only gone from good to great, but they had sustained it for 15 years or more. And they also had a control group. And it was funny how the control group had very few level five leaders. And the ones that were successful had many level five leaders. And one of the things that I thought was really fantastic that he talked about level five leaders was this practice of the window and the mirror concept. So he said, your level five leaders, when there were problems in the organization, when there were opportunities for success, They looked in the mirror and they thought about what they could change to make it better. And then when they had had success, they looked in the window and they looked out at their teams and they thanked their teams for everything. Pretty much every single level five leader that he talked to blamed every setback on themselves and gave his team full authority and full recognition. recognition. Yeah, recognition for what they'd done well. So I thought that was pretty amazing. And I see that through Domino's Pizza. I mean, when you see people win awards time after time after time, it's never me, 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 me. It's always, I couldn't have done it without my team. You know, we heard Sheldon talk about his team yesterday and we heard managers talk about their team. 
And it's just all about the team, the team, the team. And I think whether these people that are highly successful know it or not, they're on board with this window and mirror concept. I agree, Sam. I found that part to be fascinating as well, because as he talks about his interviews and the, the companies that were momentarily great and then dropped back down, those leaders were the opposite. That when something great happened, they were looking in the mirror saying, yes, it was me. I brought this on my company, shower me with praise and flowers and gifts. And when something wrong happened, they looked out the window and said, it's not me. It's all of this. I go back to control what you can control. And that feels like the epitome of that for me is I want to control what I can control. And I can take that mirror and I can spin it around. Uh, it was a huge part for me. And it's so early in the book. It's, it's kind of nice to get that out of the way. When you talk about control, what you can control. Yesterday, we had just a dynamite speaker get up. And one of the things Jeremy said was, you've got to make sure that you look at the things that you can control. And to me, one of the only things you can ever control completely is yourself and how you lead and how you decide you want to take care of your team. And one of the stories he talked about, someone that went from good to great but wasn't able to sustain it, was uh, former chairman of Chrysler, Lee Iacocca, and how in the first part of his tenure, he'd taken Chrysler from darn near bankruptcy to a pretty good company. And then he started thinking about Lee and how he loved him some Lee and how he started worrying about being the leader of the Statue of Liberty and it's, it's rebuilding. And he bought an Italian sports car maker and he was on every talk show and he started getting away from his hedgehog principle and started getting away from the core things that had made Chrysler great. And, you know, he goes on to tell the story that Lee Iacocca kept moving on his departure date. He kept extending, oh, I'm going to stay another year. I'm going to stay another year. I'm going to stay another year. That kind of rubbed the folks at Chrysler wrong. So, you know, I, I think it's really important that you stick with that hedgehog. You keep in control what you can. I mean, the book to me was just fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it. And then the last thing I want to bring up is you talked about discipline. And yesterday we talked about discipline a little bit when you have people that aren't making the grade, you have to get the discipline. But he talked about discipline in a whole different way. And he talked about fact, you've got to get who first and what second. And when you're hiring people, you've got to hire disciplined people. Because disciplined people don't need to be motivated. They just need to be rewarded and recognized. And then once you've got those disciplined people, you've got to have disciplined thoughts about your hedgehog principle and staying on track with what you do. And then you've got to have disciplined action. So to me, the disciplined thoughts, and we're going to talk about this more today, is all about expectations. And the disciplined actions are holding people accountable, or as you like to say, holding them able. Yeah. So I think that's really important as well. Drew, where's this book going to end up for you? Well, Sam, you know, that's a tough one. It's a really heavy book. It is a heavy book. So in the backpack might be rough. In the backpack, carrying 10 of these around might be a little bit. It's actually going to probably go on the shelf for me. This one is interesting because Good to Great is the first part. And then there's a second part of the book called Built to Last. Which was actually written first. And between the two, you read them in the Good to Great and then Built to Last. It shows you the roadmap to take something and make it awesome. For our listeners who are like, I'm not a CEO, you are of your own individual store, of your own individual supervisor area, of your own individual franchise. Congratulations. You can take principles in here, finding the who, and then getting the what. You can take the hedgehog. What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that you're best at? What is your economic drive? And you can use those concepts in your own stores, areas, 
franchise make the same changes that these CEOs did in the, in the book. So for me, it's on the shelf here. Yeah, it's going to end up on the shelf for me as well. I think it's going to be something nice to go back and look at. And we've talked about other books we've read where we're going to pull things out of it and use it in upcoming workshops and upcoming training events that we do. And in fact, for those in the room, you're going to see a copy of the book up on the screen later today when I'm talking about expectations. So I've already taken some stuff from this and worked it into some things I'm going to do. And I'm with you. It's just too darn big to be in the backpack and be handing out. But uh, I think it's a great read. And I think anybody that wants to elevate their leadership career would uh, be well served to read it. I agree. All right. So Liam, uh, take it away. I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. So Drew, as you know, this is my favorite segment. This is where we talk about things we've seen in the stores. And I'm going to let you lead it off this week. Cool. That's great because I haven't been in the stores in like 10 days, two weeks since we last recorded. So I'm going to use our audience. Audience, how are you doing? Awesome. We have this fabulous book, Good to Great, that Sam and I reduced the value of greatly by signing. So we'd like to give that away. If you have something you do great in your store, would you mind sharing that? Anybody? Awesome. Come on down. Bring us some hustle. Hard to believe he got down from the balcony that quickly. I know. From the balcony. It's like, wow. What is that? America's Amazing. got talent, right? He's coming all the way from yeah. back. Price is right. Will you please say into the mic nice and loud who you are and where you're from? Uh, yeah, my name is Jeremy Hill. I'm uh, from Springfield, Missouri. A&M Pizza. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Jeremy. And what is it that you do in your stores that everybody else should know about? Uh, obviously, the hot topic of today is retention. And one of the things we've been doing is when somebody starts on their first day, we assign them a training buddy. This is somebody who's going to check up on their training. I uh, just get to know them, someone that they know in the store. And then even on their day off, they might text that person and say, you know, hey, how was your day? How did it go? And just kind of works to make them feel like they're part of the group feel at home. Most of the people we lose are in the first seven days. So this really helps us com combat the uh, retention. I love that, Jeremy. So this training buddy you speak of, uh, what are you looking for in a training buddy in your stores? Can it be anybody or are you looking for somebody with a specific set of skills? Yeah, we're definitely looking for someone with great personality, somebody who's outgoing, somebody who loves to train, and somebody who's just very, I mean, friendly, right? We want to introduce them to our family atmosphere that we have in the store. So you're trying to take these people that are maybe a little nervous about starting on a job for the first day, and you're trying to create, oh, I don't know, step one of the five steps of OJT. You're trying to create that positive atmosphere. Correct. Yeah. And you think that's helping you with your attention? It definitely is. I mean, most of the people we lose are right away, and this just kind of helps them through the process, walks them through it, and, and, and definitely makes them more comfortable on all ends. That's fantastic. I'm a huge fan of training buddies. I I like it. You want to have for you, Jeremy? Oh, yes. Uh, hang on a second. Before you give him the book, just let me give the book. I'm going to share my training taken because it also comes from Jeremy. So Jeremy was with us yesterday, and he got up and just gave a fantastic presentation. Audience, was Jeremy's presentation off the hook? He did really great. And he got up and he talked to us about SPLH, which is sales per labor hour. And he got into this whole thing about do you schedule on your feelings or are you looking at data to help you run a higher sales uh, per labor hour? And some of the things that I took away from it were that you got to make sure that you're forecasting sales. It's really hard to make aggressive cuts or cuts that are good 
without forecasting your sales. You got to schedule out times. For those who've been around for a minute or two or a decade or three, scheduling out times is just, we never did it. You were four to rush, you were four to late, you were four to close. And that was just the way we did it because we scheduled with our, with our feelings. And we knew we were going to get that 915 pop. Yeah. It happened once on a yeah. Tuesday three years ago when the snow was falling and the moon was just where it needed to be. And now we just expect it all the time. So, you know, I thought it was really important to really look at the sales per labor hour, finding ways to trim an hour off of each and every team member's schedule throughout the week by doing some staggering in 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, and then not getting to the end of the week and wondering, well, how didn't I run my labor? I don't know what happened. I had the feeling that it was going to be good. So I took that away yesterday and that's my taken. And now I think he deserves the book. Yeah, because that's a twofer. Nice Thank job, you, Jeremy. Thank you. All right, Drew, I think we should hear a word from our sponsors. Our fabulous, awesome sponsors who have paid so much money for this spot. You want to take what you have heard on this podcast to the next level? I do. Are you looking to be better than yesterday? I am. So why don't you join us for Drew and Sam Train Leadership, a mini-con event. You'll get to hear from a keynote speaker. You'll choose from two of three available breakouts. Those breakouts, full-fledged expectations, holding them able with accountability, and recognition with impact. You'll have an opportunity to network with other listeners of this podcast. It's only 49 bucks. It gives you access to the two-hour event. To register, go to trainwithbty.com. That's right. To register, go to trainwithbty.com. Do it today. All right, welcome back. Again, if you haven't signed up for the Minicon yet, Drew, where can they go? Uh, to trainwithbty.com. Click on events and register from there. Drew, we've had kind of a really good run of people we've had the opportunity to interview. That doesn't end today. Wait, they were nervous for one hot second there. They were like, and it ends today. But, <laughs> but they're less nervous now. You had to go there. I did. Because you could see it in their eyes. They were scared about where you were going for a second. Wow. Not sure how to take that, Drew. But anyways, we've got a two-time Gold Franny winner. These are franchisees running 11 stores while maintaining a household with three kids, 5, 11, and 14 years of age. Without further ado, let's welcome Dan and Emily Elwell. Hey, guys. Welcome. Thanks for having us. You, Thank you. you. Oh, that was, okay. I was waiting for the second part there. Thanks, Dan. All right. I understand that this fabulous rally that we're live recording from and, and the live part may be throwing us for a second. You're on the board, the creators of this rally. What gave you the idea to do something like this? Well, last year when COVID happened and the rally got canceled, we were really bummed. The rally is so great. We wanted to do something for our teams. And so a couple of us got together and said, what if we just go to Vegas anyway? And then it became very clear that that was not a good idea, that we didn't want to put our teams at risk during that crazy time. And then the partners auction happened and we were fortunate enough to get Stan Gage as a speaker. And that kind of triggered us thinking, okay, well, maybe we should try this again and maybe we should get together and try to make this happen. It was about eight or nine months ago and we had several Zoom calls late night and put this thing together. So on those Zoom calls, there's a rumor on the street that there may have been a glass of wine or two. Or three. It was probably about 10% content, about 90% drinking. (laughs) 10% planning, 90% talking shop. 
There it is. So talking shop or drinking, whichever it was, <laughs> from what I saw on day one, I just saw amazing, amazing curriculum and amazing setup. So you must have been doing some serious drinking if that was 90%. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Since they're not answering your statement, since that wasn't a question. Jeremy had just mentioned training buddy. And in normal trainer parlance, that's called peer mentoring, where you take somebody who is the same role and you have them help somebody. What I hear you saying on your Zoom calls is it was less about building this and more about peer mentoring that you're on with other like franchisees. Honestly, the last eight to nine months when we got together with this group, we have all just seriously bonded and it's been an amazing friendship that's built out of it. And, you know, we joke around that I've probably physically been in the room with some of these guys 10 days my entire life and they feel like family. They feel like best friends. Yeah. It's a heck of a good group from what I've seen. I mean, when you get together a group of franchisee superstars and heck, even one of them's a rock star, it's just amazing the things that you can learn from each other and continue to build your own businesses. And I think it's probably a good place for you guys to probably offload some baggage sometimes, which you never want to do to your teams because we always gripe up. And when you become a franchisee, there's no longer anywhere to gripe up. So you have to gripe parallel with franchisees. So I think that's probably a good outlet for you too. Has that been the case? You hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. It's been, we've been leaning on each other this, this whole time and just talking about how rough the last year has been on the teams, what we're seeing in the stores. And and honestly, this this whole conference was just about rewarding our GMs and giving them that well-deserved pat on the back for making it through the roughest year we've ever had. That's fantastic. Why don't you tell us a little about, Dan and Emily, tell us about your journey from when you started. And what I learned yesterday is, Emily, even though you're the franchisee of record, you and Dan do everything together. And as it turns out, Dan's got a little bit more experience than you. That's correct. I, I have a solid year experience over her. So you see I how start, quick he chimed in there? I know. That was amazing. <laughs> like instant, bam, I'm ready for this question. I have waited my whole life to say one okay. more year. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I started as a driver in 99 and I was going to college. I worked under former manager of the year, Ed Christensen. And he, I credit him for really inspiring me to Domino's and, and pizza making. I was, I was mesmerized by the way he could spin pizzas and ended up dropping out of college and becoming a assistant manager. How about you, Emily? I started on November 1st of, of 2000 and Jeff Stegan hired me and I had no interest in Domino's pizza. My roommate came home and said she, she was a driver. And she said, I just made 80 bucks in tips. And I thought, I want to make 80 bucks in tips. I've, Christmas is coming up. I need to get presents for my family. I'm a college student. I don't have any cash. And I, I basically nagged Jeff until he hired me. And my plan was to work through Christmas and drop out. Because who works at, who works at Domino's their whole life? Like I, I was out of there. But I ended up falling in love with the team. Like We just had so much fun. The people were amazing. And yeah, the rest is, is history. Over time, worked my way up. At our, Art and Marty have a monthly assistant manager competition. And I just happened to be running shift that day. And this guy walks in. He keeps on bugging me. Like, where do I know you from? Where do I know you from? I don't know. Like, go away. End up falling in love with him. And uh, we became general managers actually on the same day of different stores. We been super competitive with each other 
And yeah, that's, that's the beginning of our journey. So you wore her down. Correct. Nice. Yeah. It, it just took, you know, perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think guys like us who overachieve when it comes to marriage, we have to wear them down. It's mm-hmm. our own yeah, yeah. choice. It's true. So that's great. When for both of you was that light bulb moment where you went from I'm delivering pizzas or I'm just working for my Christmas money and Hey, there's something here. There's something beyond just being an hourly team member. And when did you feel like you were going to become one of those 90% of people that are currently domestic franchisees that started out as an hourly team member? I don't, I don't know if there is one specific moment necessarily. I just remember falling in love with the brand in terms of like, you know, I love fast pizza making it and, and, uh, the the competitiveness of running numbers with other GMs. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there was one specific necessarily a moment that that uh, you know that I can say this is a, this is what you know led to the future. Sure. How about you, Emily? So I think for me, I agree with Dan that there was always something there, and it was kind of like as a general manager, yeah, we might franchise someday. You know, when we get to someday, whenever that is, like maybe that that'll happen. It was definitely for me. It was it was never a thought that a franchisee would would be uh, in the the works. But there was one night, it was Christmas Eve. Our oldest son, Andrew, was two months old. And I'm at his parents' house waiting on him to get home from work. And he cut too early and ended up getting completely smoked at work. And not only is he thinking, I'm not here with, I'm not with my family. I'm not with my son. I'm not with Emily. But neither are my team members. They're getting creamed. They're not getting home to their families either. And so he he came home pretty deflated that night. And it was the next morning. He was getting ready to go to work. And it was Christmas Day. They didn't open until 4, but there's so much prep work and stuff. He has to be there by 2 p.m. And he looks at me and says, I think this is it. We got to move up or move on. I think it's time to franchise. And I said, okay. And that's when we really dialed in and put started just banking that those bonus checks and everything and putting everything we had in the savings to get that liquid capital. So Emily, I'll play the part of art in the question that you got asked yesterday. Are you open for Christmas now? No. <laughs> family helped you swing that needle, help you decide to go up or get out. Let's talk about family. We get the whole AAA, right? Most folks have AAA batteries in their houses. You guys have AAAs running around. Yeah, our children, Andrew, Anna, and Asher. I'm going to take a leap of faith here and just guess that you look at your team members like family as well. Absolutely. I I often say that I have 240 children. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) So Dan has 239. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you guys treat those employees like family? What is it that you do that, that keeps them coming back day after day other than, of course, closing for Christmas? We are constantly looking on ways of making things easier for GMs. That's a driving force for us. So if we see something that can make their lives or you know their work-life balance better, we're all over it. So give us an example. Get, tell us something D&E Pizza does to make that work-life balance possible. For example, we try to get our GMs to have a four, we call it a four and a half day work week. So they work four full shifts and the fifth day is a half operational shift, half admin day. And so they're, they're not, you know, based on their staffing that they're not always able to do that, but we give them the permission to do that and then encourage them to schedule themselves. Wait, 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 wait. What I hear you saying is 40, 45 hours. Perfectly Correct. good. Yeah. We would say 
we do not want GMs in their store, you know, more than that, just because of the, the work, how important the work life balance is. If they are not, if they're not taking care of home, then they're not going to be taking care of the store. Chances are. That's amazing about that. I don't know if you guys read it, but this week, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before yesterday, the WHO put out a research project that said over 500,000 people die annually around the globe from overworking. And the number they came at was 52 hours. So let that sink in for a second for our listeners. I know many of us are working more than that right now because of being short-staffed. I also know there are many that are told they have to. So the fact that you're in that 40 to 45, that's a good sweet spot. The 40 to 45 is an aspiration. If they don't have the people, if they don't have the training, they're obviously going to have to work more because they put themselves in that position. I assume you've set a bonus and progression in the company in such a way that if they actually hit the numbers you're looking for, OER service cost, whatever that is, working those hours, that's okay. It's an attractive thing, you know, for that kind of a work schedule for GMs. And yeah, and obviously, if they're going to only be in the store four and a half days out of the week, they're going to have to have their people being able to take care of business when they're not theirs. Yeah, we've developed a lot of systems in the store. And we have made it universal in our stores that they all have the same prep list. It might be different quantities, but it's the same list. It's in the same list of priorities. They all have the same cleaning list. We have free ring binder back there of a training guide that we have the script and our the thing that we say all the time is stick to the script, stick to the script. So every single person that comes on board gets trained the exact same way. And because we have been doing this and we've been working on it for a while, if a store does, you know, get into a staffing need or let's say a manager gets promoted to, you know, another store or supervisor, the next manager in can pass off that baton. And they're not having to retrain everything because they're all using the same systems. We actually just promoted what we call a general support manager. And that person, you know, will be there. So a manager can schedule a vacation and actually be able to take a vacation. I, you know, kind of one of those humbling moments of we're good, but we're not great was when one of our best GMs looks at me and says, I haven't taken a vacation in two years and nobody realized it. And being able to promote somebody. So not only can that manager take a vacation, he can plan it. He can relax when he's away because he knows that he has somebody in there taking care of a store. Yeah, I think that's really important. Kind of circling back to the book that we talked about earlier, Good to Great. One of the things that Jim Collins talks about is there's two kinds of leaders. There's this level four leader, which some would say is a superstar with a thousand followers. And then there's a level five leader who is developing everybody around him. And what he found with some of the companies was some of them went from good to great, but as soon as the CEO left, because he was a superstar with a thousand followers, the company fell apart. And I think you're talking exactly about being that level five leader and making sure that everybody on the team pulls their weight. I was an evaluator for six years, and I used to tell people the very best indicator of a manager is how their store runs when they're not there. And I think the only way you can get to that, and and listeners, some of you are going to have no idea what I'm talking about right now, but the only way you can get to that quality day off is by having people around you that you've trained and you using the script and you telling folks to say stay on the script. And, and Drew is just a huge, huge believer in systems and protocols and making sure that your processes are in place. It sounds like you guys are on the road 
Emily, the script is really Emily's baby, but I think that it was developed, you know, from a lot of different things. I mean, going back to book one, book two, or that was whatever it was called back in the day. But we've learned from all of the experiences that we've had and tried to, and we kind of like said, all right, how can we solve this issue? And what training could we implement to prevent that? So it's really like thorough step-by-step. It literally goes from new hire to general manager, with primarily the main focus being the first week of employment. And, you know, talking about our triple A's, and our three children and then my 240 children that I have back home. When you're raising a child, you want to prevent them from every hardship that you had. And the script and like he says, it's been a a culmination of 15, 20 years of dominoes whenever I first started getting into training. It's like, yeah, how do I prevent this issue from ever happening again? So it's like the script is a big journal of every single mistake we've ever made. And trying to fix yeah. that mistake and, and set our guys up for success and make sure that they're successful and that they don't have to have it as hard or the job doesn't have to be as hard as it was when we were GMs. Like we, we want to make the job not suck. And again, I think we're hearing a reference to the whole good to great in the level five leadership talking about the window in the mirror. It sounds like your script was designed from some pretty soul searching looks in the mirror and you want to look out the window and see your kids not make the same mistake. So I want to let you know that you've reached the end of the interview portion where we like just keep poking you with questions and you've survived. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But Drew's lying. <laughs> just going to ask you one more question. This would be the encore question. What would you say to our listeners, most of who we think are probably general managers? If you're a general manager today and you were thinking about becoming a franchisee, what advice would you give to them? My advice would be to treat your store as if you already own it. You should always be acting as if, you know, if you want to get promoted to general manager, then you need to pretend like you're the general manager right now. If you want to be a franchisee, you need to be that franchisee right now. Get that experience. Treat your store like it's yours. That is your store. You want to make a change, change it and just flip the switch. It was posed the question yesterday to the audience, who in the room wanted a franchise and who didn't? And the ones that did not raise their hands that did not want to be franchised or didn't see that. My question to them is essentially why? Because, you know, I think a successful GM, like you said, needs to run their store as if they're the owner. And so if they're doing that, that's a franchisee's first store. So yeah, the, the importance of running the store uh, like it's your own. Yeah, Drew, you weren't here for that particular segment, but Dan didn't just say why. He looked out with this amazed look in his face and he said, why? (laughs) It was like, what the heck is wrong with you? This is the greatest opportunity ever. You know, the other franchisees jumped on board with that. That's awesome. Okay, if you want to, I think we're done now. Now we're done? I I think so. Are you sure? No, I'm not sure. But I mean, do you have more questions to ask? It depends on how you end. Because if you're watching this, you can see that there's a clock in front of Sam and I, and we know the time is limited. Now, that said, you guys are great. Nice job. Thank you for having us. So let's cut to an ad. You want to take what you have heard on this podcast to the next level? I do. Are you looking to be better than yesterday? I am. So why don't you join us for Drew and Sam Train Leadership, a mini-con event. You'll get to hear from a keynote speaker. You'll choose from two of three available breakouts. Those breakouts, full-fledged expectations, holding them able with accountability, 
and recognition with impact. You'll have an opportunity to network with other listeners of this podcast. It's only 49 bucks. It gives you access to the two hour event. To register, go to trainwithbty.com. That's right. To register, go to trainwithbty.com. Do it today. All right. So that was our fabulous sponsors talking about the mini con that's coming up, Sam. Since you've already talked about it twice in this episode, I'm just going to suggest folks rewind 20 minutes and hear how Sam explained it the last time. But it seems like now is the time where we're wrapping this up. So let's get on the road again with Willie. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. So, Drew, where are you off to? Next week, I'm heading to Knoxville, Tennessee, and help Brian Hamilton. He has acquired a few more stores, and we're going to go through the Better Than Yesterday visit system with his supervisors. That'll be a blast. After that, I'm back home for a couple weeks because I've got a son that's graduating from high school. So nice. I've been told I need to be home when the family's home because family seems to be this important thing coming up on this episode. Nice. How about you, Sam? Well, first of all, congratulations on Jackson graduating from my alma mater, Dexter High School. Congrats, Jackson. Again, that's because Dexter is the size of this table. Wow. So uh, I'm actually heading out to the East Coast to Maine. I'm going to visit with franchisee Fernando Stelzer. We're going to go through two days of a workshop all about management development, including curriculum centered around hiring, retention, and leadership. I'm looking forward to that. And then I'm going to head back down to Dayton, Ohio, to newly minted franchisee Chris Slater, working with his trainer one-on-one. We're going to be doing what they do on their onboarding process, which they call Pizza Prep School. I'm going to help his trainer, Joe T., kind of polish that up and get his folks up and running a little quicker. So that's where I am on the road, too. You know about Pizza Prep School, Sam? You know, uh, there was a time back in the day where I ran a little store inside the World Resource Center that we called the Fishbowl and ran Pizza Prep School. Huh. I thought so. Yeah. Well, hey, folks, thanks for listening. If you're in the room. <laughs> thanks so much for being here. Uh, you can find us on all of your favorite podcasts, whether it's on uh, Apple or Spotify or Podbean. We'd love you to subscribe and share these with your friends. If you like them, follow us. Special thanks to our director, Chris Rowe from the DFA. Give him some applause, not a lot. We'd also like to thank the entire planning committee for inviting us to the fabulous rally. Who are they, Sam? Well, of course, it's Emily and Dan Elwell, our guests today on the podcast. Anthony Satterwhite, Jimmy Rudlinger, Connor Herto, Michael Harding, Jeremy Hill, also known as Russell. And of course, we couldn't forget our very own rock star, Sheldon Fort. This has been episode 11 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam with Bowser Consulting. Make sure you go out there and sell more pizza and have more fun. That's all, folks.